I'm going to ask you to stand, please. I want to welcome you to 2014. There are some people that did not make it to 2014. But you are blessed to make it to 2014, whether you recognize it or realize it or not. <laughs> there are various, many people that had planned to carry on, and they're not here today. And so I hope that you're making preparation or that you've made preparation to meet your maker. I want you to bow your head, your heads with me, please, and as we get ready for the word of God. <clears throat> today, Lord, we are standing in your presence. And today we lift our hands in submission and adoration to your holy name recognizing that we can only offer ourselves to you. Today we pray that you will take this vessel, your people, and that, Lord, you will help us to be the people that you have called us to be, that we will honor, that we will love, that we will treasure the relationship that you so desire for your people. We do love you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, a couple of things I want to say as we prepare to hear the word of God. Um, Nimrod Valentine, Willie Joe's brother, did pass last week, and thank God that the men went to go see him probably about a month and a half, about a month and a half or so ago, he and Willie Joe, and... Um, I want to thank Claude for going. We saw a couple of people there, and Nimrod seemed to be doing well, but I want to keep the family in prayer, Lene and Cheryl, and um, because he was a member of this church. If you recall, Nimrod, Willie Joe was praying for his brother, hadn't heard from, for a, from him for a long time. Not only did he make contact, but he moved to the area and began going to church here. Today we are indeed grateful that he's gone to be with the Lord. He actually was a minister as well. Many of you may not have known that. But we thank God that we had a chance to see him. Also want to mention to you that on Thursday, January the 2nd, <laughs> 2014, at approximately 1.40, in the afternoon, on a sunny day, a nice day, a day that the Lord made. Marie Coleman, Barbara Nell's mother, gave her heart to the Lord. <laughs> we went to go see her on that day, called her during a time of prayer and it's on my heart and says, yes, you can come by. Because most time when we call, the, the, the answer machine picks up <laughs> or the phone rings. But that day, she was there. And so, yes, please put your phones on vibrate, please. And she gave her heart to the Lord. Now, I do need to say this. While we're going to be trying to spend some time with her, I'm going to encourage the, some of the women just to call her just to let her know that you heard good news to call her health is not the best kids keep her in prayer but she's accepted the Lord now you know we've been praying for her sister Maria I can say now <laughs> for a long time and Nancy's been saying you know my family my family brother George talking about the Comans but you know perseverance even through all the difficulties of life and the different things that happen God is still saving. Think about Sister Michelle's mother. <laughs> Before leaving this world. And she is now thinking, oh my goodness, what could I have almost missed? Marie has now given her heart to the Lord. And so when I was speaking, talking to her, uh, I said, you know, do you think it's about time? She said, yeah, I think it's about time. <laughs> no resistance. 
Her eyes are not the best right now, but gave her heart to the Lord. And today, we are grateful. Grateful for the answer to prayer. In February, I'm going to be giving more information, but February will be year seven, seven that we've started the prayer, the noon prayer at the church. February the 6th, 2014, I believe it is, we started the prayer at the church. And what we're planning in February, maybe the last um, Friday, we want to do what we did before. We want to have a Bible reading from 9 to 12 and prayer. We came last year and we just read the word of God from 9 to 12. About 8 or 9 or about 10 people were here. I would encourage more to come. You don't have to read. It's, it's volunteer if you want to read. But I want you here. It was powerful. It was awesome just to come and to be in the presence of God reading from the Bible. And so as we bring, as we look at 2014 and look at our seventh year, we want to remember that by reading the scriptures and praying on the, I'm thinking the last Friday, Friday of the month um, from 9 to 12. So those who can make it. 28th, yes, that's a Friday. During, no, 9 p.m. to midnight. 9 p.m. to midnight. This is a push. It's on a Friday, so if you had thought about going to parties, uh-uh. No. <laughs> 9 p.m. to midnight. Some of y'all watching the Late Late Show to 1 or 2 o'clock. Y'all can be here. <laughs> I also want to push this year. We got to do better in 2014 about Bible study. 2013 was not very good for some. We got to do better. I want to, I know some people work on Wednesdays, but not everybody. When I think about the awesomeness of God and that he joins in our presence and has made this incredible world, and when I hear people say, I don't understand, I need help, and then when we don't take advantage of what God has given us, I hear Sister Michelle talking about the online that she's going to do. I think that's awesome. There was a study that she was doing for people that just were, were the basics, and, and that started at Murtis. Murtis didn't, uh, her health declined, and that didn't continue. But there, it's so important that the enemy does not rob us from what God has given us. Do you know people are dying for the word of God? As I mentioned, Pastor Saeed in prison, being tortured because he won't deny his faith. If you can't make it Wednesday, then there's Sunday school, one or the other. It is so vitally important that God sent his son to die on a cross so that we could have a right to the tree of life. And when we don't take advantage of what we have, what's going to eventually happen is that when it's snatched away, we won't really recognize and realize how, how much we've missed. Do you not know that in some places right now, when they're holding Bible studies in homes, that neighbors are calling the police because saying that they don't have a permit to be there because... They're having Bible study. Do you not know there's an attack against the church? The enemy has ramped up his efforts because the Bible says he knows his time is short. And because he knows that his time is short, he has pulled out all the stops. What used to be a real sacredness for the word of God in the house of God, as people went past the church, would turn down their music. They, they would be careful how they spoke when they stepped onto even the property of the church. Amen. The enemy is snatching that away, and there is such an attack upon the body of Christ today. That church, if we don't recognize and realize, not only will some be lost because some have not, has not, have not really committed themselves, but there's going to be a stealing of your joy. I'm convinced right now that God has told me something. He told me in, when I became pastor, senior pastor, he let me know, and I didn't know for a while, I said, Lord, he put in my heart that we are to evangelize this world. Go out and make disciples. I know that God gave that to me. 
When we take the word of God and we go out to the rest homes, to homes to talk to people, to visit individuals, and bring them in and, and share the word, God is going to do the work. Don't worry about the results. Oftentimes, we won't go because we are concerned about how people are going to respond to us. Or, I don't know just what to say. Do you not know that when you put the word of God in your heart, the Lord even told his disciples, don't worry about what you're going to say at the time when you stand before certain ones. I'll give you the word, but you've got to put the word in your heart. This year, we've got to prepare ourselves. There is an attack against the church as never before. And because the enemy, as I said, knows that his time is short, he has a vengeance against the body. He doesn't care who he attacks. He doesn't care who gets hurt. <coughs> he wants the saints hurt, but he wants the witness of the church to suffer. When I look at my day, and if I don't plan God in, I won't include him. I know that. If I don't plan God in, if I don't, if I don't make him a part of my, my plan, I'll go on about my business and not, even rec and not even care. And then what ends up happening, or I may care for a moment, but, but what begins to happen is that <laughs> it begins to fade to where the concern and the burden and even the, sometimes even the guilt, that begins to go away to where it's not even a thought anymore. You have a ministry that God has given you. I've got to study. I've got to read. And if I have to do it, I'm thinking, Lord, I know that people in the body of Christ have gifts. And when the Lord calls the people that are on the outside, which have been all of us, to the church, and then he changes us and says, you are now the church. Now go and make disciples. That means that we have to be equipped to do that. So today, my challenge and my encouragement to you is that we need to be here. If you have things that you have to do, understood. But all year long, don't see something all year? No. We've got to do better. Believe me, I know what it's like to be tired. I put over 35,000 miles in my car a year. Up and down that freeway. Sometimes I don't get home to 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, why? Because I love God. The call that God has on your life is so important. that Bi The Bible says in Jeremiah 1, 5, I believe it is, before he even formed you in the womb, he knew you. Before you were even thought about, God had already mapped out your life. That's how important you are to God. Your healing. The Lord, I was sitting in the organ, listening to some of the requests, and the Lord put in my spirit, and your healing, some of your, not only healing, but your being an overcoming comer is going to be in how you praise the Lord this year. How you praise the Lord this year through the trials and the problems and the difficulties is how you praise the Lord this year. Your praise is going to come, or your breakthrough will come through your praise. Some of you have been praying for things for a long time, and some of you haven't gotten the answer yet or seem to keep running into certain situations. The Lord is saying your praise will be your breakthrough. Your praise will bring you a breakthrough. So those things that you've been really praying about, begin to praise the Lord and see what God is going to begin to do this year. I'm looking forward to having some testimonies come back this year to say, you know what? I began to praise the Lord and began to do some things I wasn't doing before. And this is what God is doing and did. I'm looking forward to it. God's word will not return void. Amen. In your Bibles, Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse number 32. As I was reading 
this passage this week, my I, I was going to preach on chapter 10. I was looking to preach on 10, and just a couple of days ago, or even <laughs> the Lord placed in my heart, no, continue, look at 932 through 43. I was going to bypass that, but as I began to read and prepare, I said, wow, look at God. So chapter 9 of Acts beginning at verse 32, and it says, As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic, who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tapatha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tapitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. 1 Timothy, in fact, just because of time, I'm going to read it. You can write it down. But 1 Timothy chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. And this is what it says. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. As a title, I've given Peter and an apostle used by God. Peter, an apostle used by God. Miracles are not intended solely for the person being healed. Let me say that again. Miracles are not intended solely for the person being healed. It is to show forth the goodness of the Lord and bring others unto salvation. Today we have two examples of miracles that are handled in two different ways. Yet the outcome leads to salvation for those who heard and witnessed the miracles. Now, our scene changes for the time being from the conversion of Saul that we were dealing with the last time that we were together, or time before, back to Peter, who had been a focus of the book of Acts up until about chapter 6. If you remember, the apostles had been staying in Jerusalem, and the focus then became on Peter and primarily John as they were the main 
out, out of the main apostles that were focused on as they carried forth the word of God in the work of the ministry. Peter's ministry was primarily to the Jewish people, while Paul or Saul primarily preached or went to the Gentiles. God's ultimate plan was to reach those in the world and to use those that he had initially called to help him and those throughout the world. He actually was going to use the Jewish nation and is using them to bring the world. However, his plan was always to reach the entire world for himself. In Peter's travel, we must understand that his primary, that his travels are primarily for the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. So that when he is traveling, it is to preach and to teach. When you look at the acts of the disciples or the apostles, you will oftentimes find them going from place to place. Now, when Peter went from place and began to travel, and he went to Lydda, which was about 30 miles from Jerusalem, his circle was generally still around in the area of what they called Palestine, Palestine, but around Jerusalem, and, and not far in regards to, like Paul. Paul went various places, but Peter stayed in a certain area. When you look at Acts 1-8, the Bible says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Peter primarily stayed in Jerusalem, Samaria, and those areas there, ministering. When he comes to the city or the town of Lydda, he goes there to meet with the saints in that area. And one question that arose for me while I was studying was, where was Aeneas when Jesus was involved in his ministry? The Bible does not say anything about Aeneas, but think about this. When Jesus was ministering, his fame spread abroad. Now, Aeneas had been bedridden, the Bible says, for eight years. So it wasn't a lifetime, but everybody was not healed during the time that Jesus was, was on the earth. Amen. There are some people that I'll never reach, but that you will reach. There are some things that Jesus left for his people to do. The time for Aeneas to be healed was a time for Peter or was given to Peter to do. There are some times when people say, well, how come God is not doing this? And how come this is not happening? Or why did it happen at this point? Well, remember, God has a plan for all things. But there are times when God's plan is for us to move and do things, and we are saying, Lord, not yet. Do you remember when the people of Israel were told to move forward, and they say, we can't go forward because there are giants in the land, and we're too scared to go. And if we go, we might get hurt. <laughs> I'm convinced that when God tells us to go, we don't have a guarantee that we will ever make it back alive. There are times when God tells us to go and there's no guarantee that we will see the results that we're hoping to see, but somebody 20 years down the road might. Your obedience to God's word is what you get credit for. Don't worry about the outcome. Just be obedient to what God says in his word to do. Do you know the person that preached for 40 years and didn't really have any converts? Anybody knows? Jeremiah. But you know, as I said before, Jeremiah was just obedient to the word of God. And he's called the weeping prophet because he was always crying over the condition of the people. Huh. As Peter goes to Lydda, 
He sees a man there that has been bedridden for eight years. We know that he's paralyzed. Luke tells us that this man has been paralyzed. Um, it doesn't tell us how it happened, but Luke, being a medical doctor, often gives diagnosis or tells us what the problem is. We're not told even how Peter came to know about Aeneas, but we know that he found him in the town of Lydda. Now, note Peter's response. Peter does not pray for him, but gives a command to Aeneas, and he tells him, and we must assume that he was looking at him, get up. Get up. We see that there is no glory that Peter tries to get for himself. Do you not know that there are some times when a person, when we do something well, we want to get the glory for it. We want the credit. I, I'm guilty as charged <laughs> with some things. And when some bad things happen, well, I, don't, I don't want credit for that. <laughs> I was about to make a well, I was about to make a foolish. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about myself. Stupid move one time. Just foolish. I was going to move, and the Lord didn't tell me to. I got upset that at my job, I wasn't getting certain recognition for something. After time gone on and, hmm, I need this, I'm going someplace else. Go find me another job. <laughs> and so I put my application in. A uh, person that I know, they said, well, they're, they're, off, they're off. hiring over in San Francisco, you know, Dope probation officers. I've never done that, but that sounds interesting. I'll mention your name. I've never done that before in my life. I got an interview. Nice federal building. Went over there and talked to the individual. Didn't get the job, but said, you know, you know we like your answers, but, you know, because you don't have the experience, you know, we'll, you know right now we'll keep your, your resume on file, but we're going to continue the interview. I am so grateful <laughs> that I didn't get that job. Tell you why I didn't. I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. The guy said no when I was trying to say yes. Around that time, there was a situation that was taking place that I needed to be available for. In that job, I wouldn't have had the time. God gave me the time to be able to deal with this other situation I needed to deal with. The next thing that happened was the person that told me about the job about a year later told me, I am so glad you didn't get that job. It is miserable. I am no longer there myself. I am so glad you didn't get that job. And I thought, Lord, thank you for saving me from myself. <laughs> so the Lord had me to stay right where I was. And during the time when I, I didn't get it, I began to enjoy what I was doing even more. And began to see even the blessings that God had given me there. The time and, and the freedom and man, I was about to blow, drive, go, I was about to leave from, go from Brona Park all the way to San Francisco. Now some of y'all know God, y'all have to, some of y'all may have to do that. But that wasn't for me at the time. <laughs> There's been things I've had to deal with and the freedom that God has given me on this job and been able to just, oh, it's been a blessing. This was a job that God had for me. I'm still there. <laughs> Don't know how long, but God has me there. There are some times when we force and push things that God has said no. And you're saying, yes. God is saying, no, I'm taking you on detour. I'm bypassing your detour, and I'm going to do it anyway. When God puts up roadblocks, we need to be able to say, Lord, thank you 
for the roadblocks. I, I know I'm still dealing with Peter. I'm just taking this detour for a minute. Amy is being healed was something that God had reserved for Peter at a time where it was not popular to be a disciple. It was dangerous, and, and Peter is journeying, and, and we'll see later on as we, actually, actually, as we dealt actually with, with Saul persecuting the church. There, it was a time when if you said you were a disciple, your life was in danger. But the healing of Aeneas did something. This man got healed at the command of Peter, get up, and then he told him, now pick up your bed. The very thing that has been your burden, the very thing that you have been um, restricted to, the very thing that is supposed to bring comfort for a period of time, that very thing has been a condition that, or your, your, your problem. And Peter tells him, pick up your bed, make it up. There are times when the Lord heals us and says, now don't leave the issue and the problem that you've been delivered from lying around. Pick it up. You don't have to go back to it anymore. When he was told to pick up his bed, it did a couple things. Number one, it told him that this permanent place that you have now been, you've been healed from. Make up the bed, pick it up, and now go on about your business. And when he did that, he had a new lease on life. Not only did he have a new lease on life, the Bible says that all the people in that area that heard what happened turned to the Lord. The healing of individuals or the healing of individuals or people, part of the purpose of the healing was to bring other people to the Lord. When this man was healed, it was not only for Aeneas being healed, but it was for people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter also did not say that I'm healing you. He says that Jesus is going to heal. In essence, when he said, stand up, Peter didn't say that you are going to be healed. He says, you are being healed as you stand up. It is in the imperfect tense in the Greek, which means a continuous action. You are being healed. When we say, Lord, thank you for blessing me, it is not a one-time blessing that we're talking about. It is an ongoing blessing that we are referring to. God, thank you that you are continually blessing me. What has been a burden, your burden or your limitation, can be removed. You no longer, you no longer need it in the same way. Your bed, which was asleep in, as I said, is no longer the place that you are confined to. It shows others that you have been healed. When Peter looks at this man, he tells him, get up. You're healed. And make up your bed. The raising of, of Tapatha or Dorcas. The reason of Tabitha or Dorcas is the second miracle that we note. Lida and Joppa were about, it was about 10 miles apart. And I want to just point out a couple of things here as we go through this. The name Joppa means beautiful. They say that when you would just look at it, even though it was a small place, it was right on the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, it, was, it was, a, I believe, a seaport. And the only one there, it, it, it was a place that was called beautiful. And it was a short distance, about 20, 10 miles from Lida. And the believers said that, knew that Peter was in Lida, and they sent two men 
to him and said, would you come? Now, I want you to know something I had not seen before that maybe you may have, but as we go through this, really spoke to me. They don't ask Peter to come and to heal or to even raise her from the dead. But they simply call Peter to come. Dorcas, her focus had been on the needy and the orphans, the widows. This was a group that was the most needy and vulnerable at this time. She was known for doing good deeds. She was known also as a disciple. Now remember, there were the outer group of disciples that Jesus had, and there was the inner group, the apostles. The disciples were ones that followed Christ, and they were witnesses of Christ. And remember, it was, not, it was, it was a dangerous time if you were calling yourself a disciple. And she was known as a disciple, and she was known for her good deeds and the things that she did for the individuals. She did not hide the fact that she was a disciple. And she let her work speak for the life that she lived. There are at least three notable deaths in the Bible besides Jesus that receives attention. There's Lazarus, Jairus, and Dorcas. In both the cases of Lazarus and Jairus, unbelief is expressed. When Jesus was called for Lazarus, when he was sick, he says, Lord, would you come? Lazarus is sick. Jesus stayed where he was. When word was sent for Jairus, his daughter being sick, when he was on his way, word came says she's already passed. Don't bother the master anymore. Both times, individuals were sick, and when they died, it says, don't call him. But in this case, they already know that she has died. And they still call for Peter. Why? They didn't ask him to heal. There's a time when just the presence of a person brings comfort. Peter's position in the church would be comforting to the saints in that area. Don't underestimate your presence when somebody is suffering and somebody is hurting. Don't say, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything that I could really bring. Your presence speaks volumes. And so these men come and says, would you come? And the Bible says that Peter went. They already know that she has passed, but he goes anyway. This time, there are no funeral homes. When a person died, the body is washed, and people come to the person's home to view the body. So that's why you see all the widows, all the people that are gathered around crying, remembering what she has done. Memories are what often carries a person when loved ones die. When a person often dies as a sinner, forced memories of good things are often said. <laughs> and people oftentimes inflate these. Inflate what is true. But when a servant of God or a person who knows the Lord and has turned to God, their excellent qualities are remembered. People often show great respect and love for those memories. It does not mean that a person did not have faults, but it shows what a life is like that is turned to God. It was to this scene that Peter is presented. 
as he goes to the upstairs room. And when he goes to this upstairs room, she is already washed, lying there dead. Mourners are there. People are crying, remembering and bringing all the things that she's made. He puts them all outside. I'm wondering, did he do this because he remembered what happened with Jesus? Jesus went in and, and put everybody outside and only let his disciples in. Wonder, was he thinking that I don't need no unbelief around me at this time? I don't even know fully what I'm going to do. And what happens if she doesn't open her eyes? What happens if, if I pray and if I, nothing happens? There are times when you got to put people aside. You can't take everybody with you. When the Lord has called you to do a work. Sometimes we say, I want my friend to go. No, sometimes you can't. There are some times where a person will hinder what God has called you to do simply by their presence. If the Lord has told you to do something, sometimes you just got to go and do it. Peter puts them all out the room. Note this carefully. What he does. He gets down on his knees and he prays. He didn't do this with Aeneas. But this matter would really take a great deal of faith. He wanted no distractions. He did not want his faith affected by those in the room wondering, what is he doing? <laughs> and when he prayed, David Butler mentioned something there. Uh, John, John Butler mentioned something that was interesting. That another scholar, oftentimes, who will note things that are oftentimes missed in the text, he noted that evidently Peter was not looking at her when he prayed. Look carefully. He prayed, and then the Bible says he then turned to her. There's some situations that, that when, I can imagine, let me just say this, when Peter was praying, be sitting there praying, looking at this dead person, that could have been quite discouraging. And if Peter is not looking at her, his eyes are closed, Peter's focus has to be fully on the Lord. That's why sometimes we have to look past individuals and what things look like and do it anyway. There are some times when you just got to pray, and sometimes I believe just the closing of one's eyes just blocks out distractions. Closing your eyes. And so Peter, in this situation, he prays, and then he turns to her. And then what does he say? Tapitha? Get up or rise. And note what she does. She opens her eyes. Doesn't she get up? She opens her eyes. One of the first signs of life is to see the person's eyes open. You, you know, when a person has passed out, they say, oh, my goodness, the eyes, they're, they're tapping the person. They want some response. And if a person starts blinking the eyes, oh, good, there's, there's something, there's life, something is happening. And, and then the person that may be in a coma, and the person says, they open their eyes. There's excitement just because the person opened their eyes. There's a message in that just right there. The song says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. There are times when sometimes, there are sometimes when our eyes have been opened and we go, oh, 
I now see. I didn't see this before. My eyes have been opened to something new. When you get up in the morning, some of you might <laughs> you run in this dog. You, you open your eyes, but, but for a while, your eyes might be closed till you run into something. Then you open your eyes. <laughs> but when you go to the bathroom in the morning, you open your eyes. When you go about your business, now, if you saw a person driving down the street <laughs> and their eyes like this, and you look over, don't tell me you're going to stay right next to that person. You're going to either speed up and go, what are they doing? Or back out, and you might move over and keep looking. What's going on? Now, that would be pretty scary yeah. if they make it all the way down the road to come out the lane and never open their eyes. Now, I'm going to tell you all another thing before we end this, this, this day. I'm going to Los Angeles. I had a Volkswagen. Chuck, you remember that Volkswagen my dad used to have, that white Volkswagen? I think everybody in Mercedes must have owned that at one point. <laughs> but he had, I think he gave it to Frida or Ronnie. No, Frida didn't draw no sticker. I think you had, did you have it? You didn't have it? You had another one, okay. That orange, you had the orange one. <clears throat> but I bought this Volkswagen. I, just, I sold it to Don, too. That white Volkswagen. <laughs> All right. But I'm on my way to L.A. That's when I was in Colorado. I was going to a tournament down there. And that year, Derek couldn't go. So I said, I'm going anyway. So my dad said, might want to get some sleep before you go. Might want to rest. I'm all excited. I need to go. I said, all right. So I got in bed, slept a couple hours. 12 o'clock, I'm ready to go. I got to go. I got to go. I got up. Hey, got my stuff. I'm gone. Got on the road on my way to Los Angeles. It was a wonderful drive. I get close to the grapevine. I get sleepy. Now, I should have pulled over, but I didn't. I should have. I got sleepy, tired. Find myself doing one of these numbers. You know, five seconds, if I can just get five seconds of my eyes closed. On the, on the road, three seconds, too, you know. We do that sometimes. Just, just, just one of them long blinks, <laughs> right? I'm driving, and I told y'all this before. Some of y'all remember, some of y'all don't. <clears throat> there was a big rig that I had passed some ways behind me. I had passed that big rig, and it was way back there, but as I'm going, driving, the only thing I remember were my eyes opening and that big rig right next to me. I was going up the grapevine. I was going 45 miles an hour at the time and never came out my lane. I had been asleep for I don't know how long. I never heard any going across the, the lanes, the, you know how the road, you hit the bumps. Don't remember any of that. And I'm thinking, that truck was way, way back there. The only thing I remember was opening my eyes and that truck being right next to me, and I never came out my lane. The only thing I know is that God protected me that day. Now, I told you I woke up right away then. <laughs> I was no longer sleepy at that point. <laughs> But it, 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 it showed me something. My eyes were open. When Tabitha opened her eyes, it was a sign of life. Then Peter reached out his hand, and the Bible says, helped her up. Just like she had been helping others, Peter says, you now can also be helped. And he helps her up, and the Bible says, presents her to them alive. And in that place, many came to the Lord. The after effects, not even, even of what they were even praying for, but the benefit of having Peter there 
resulted in Tabitha being healed and many other people coming to the Lord as a result of this miracle. I know as I bring this to a close, some of you, just because you are in the right place at the right time, were a blessing to somebody and somebody was a blessing to you. You can orchestrate some things that take place. To be right at the right place at the right time at that time of day and say, I know this was God. I know the Lord did this. There's no way that God could not have done this. It was the Lord. May our eyes be open to the miracles that God is doing every day in our lives and in this world. Don't close your eyes to the things that God is doing. The enemy wants your eyes to be closed. But God is doing things to open our eyes. He's bringing people to himself. Bow your heads. Bow your heads, please. Today, Lord, we want to thank you for the wonderful privilege of your word. Today, we need our eyes, my eyes needs to be opened. You are doing things, and Lord, if, if I can't see, uh, I'm going to stumble and fall. Uh, our prayer today is not only that for myself, but that God, you will open our eyes in this place that we can see what God is doing and walk in accordance to the word. Thank you for, Lord, the faithfulness of Peter as he, Lord, spoke to Aeneas and spoke to Tabitha. And, Lord, how she was, was brought back to life. And as her name even means gazelle or antelope, thank you, Lord, that she's graceful. And she was graceful in her acts. May we be graceful, Lord, in what we do. Thank you that, Lord, you have opened our eyes. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to see. And thank you for, Lord, the bread of life and the word of God. We thank you and we love you today. We praise you today for you are the great and the wonderful king who loves us. We're giving him all the glory. We're giving him all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you as you leave this place today and go about your week. Hope to see you here later on this week. God bless you.